part two of our series that we're calling Grow Up. Grow Up, Grow Up Part Two. Um, and so looking forward to it. Last week, uh, and if you weren't here, I encourage you to go on the podcast, listen to the podcast. Uh, these these series, uh, these messages are really laying the foundation for us as a church in our new location. They're nothing new per se, as much as we just want to make sure that we all are on the same page and what we're, what we're talking about. So simple, simple. Uh, I don't know about you, but when things are simple, I do better in life. Anybody with me? Come on. I mean, if it's simple, I do better. I, and, and usually what happens in, in is if it gets complicated, if it gets kind of frazzled and things kind of, I got a hundred things going on, um, I tend to lock up. I mean, any, anybody with me on that? I mean, I get a little paralysis. I mean, it just kind of happens, you know, and I get a lot of things. Um, this week, I had a little bit of that happen. Um, it, I, I found out very gracefully from the staff that my computer, my laptop computer, was a dinosaur. They told me it was so old that it couldn't recognize the Wi-Fi or run the software that everybody else in the world uses, and so you're a loser. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> I got it. So I, I was like, man, I'm going to go after, I'm going to go get a new computer then. You know, I, I could do this. And so I go, and I go to one place, and I walk in, and I'm thinking I'm just going to run in, grab myself a new computer, run out, and be on with it, right? And so I walk in, and, and I'm starting to look in and around, and I realize, man, now they got touchscreen laptops, and they got touchscreen. And I'm like, do I need a touchscreen? I'm like, I need a touchscreen. I mean, why wouldn't I want a touchscreen? Everybody else has a touchscreen. I want a touchscreen. And then they start talking to me about AMD 4, 6, and 8 and talking to me about CPU, GPU, and if you're going to be gaming with uh, Death Star 12, then you're going to need this. And I'm like, I don't game, you know. And they say, well, i3, i5, i7. And I'm like, man, and I'm gigabyte, trigabyte, trilobyte, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't even want a computer. <laughs> you know, I just finally just walked out. I, don't, I mean, I just said thanks, and I just left. You know, I didn't even want to talk to them anymore. So then we're at Sam's. Aren't you glad Sam's is close? <laughs> Come on, moment of silence. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sam's is close. So we go to Sam's, and they got the, the deal thing, you know, where first day everybody walk in, and we see, man, they got laptops. And I'm like, man, this is it. So I walk over, and I'm talking to the same guy, and he's throwing all these numbers out, and he's doing all these things and giving me his little thing. And I finally said, man, let's just go for it. So I just grabbed the box and walked out. And then I get home. And I'm afraid to open it because I'm fearful that I've made a wrong choice. It was that complicated. My wife's over there laughing and smiling. So I'm online last night Googling, trying to figure out, is this even a good computer? And I found out it wasn't. So now I've got to take it back and do the whole thing again. Life is better when it's simple. Come on. Come on. So all that to say, we're going to talk about getting simple here. And especially as a church. So here, here's a driving favorite phrase of mine that, that I, I love, in, in, in spite of what I just described, even more so. Do fewer things for greater impact. Do fewer things for greater Im- impact. Meaning, if you keep it simple and focus on what really matters, you'll make a bigger difference. I think that's very true of most of our lives. We understand that. We get that. So as we begin this journey in a new location, we're going to lay a foundation of some simple and focused thoughts that hopefully will help us understand why we're here and what it is that God has as a goal for each one of us. And so that's what we're looking at. And really what we're doing is, as a church, we're trying to help as many people as possible answer life's most important questions. Like, what's the big ones, you know? 
what's the big ones? Like, why am I here? We're going to try to help people understand that. So what's life's most important questions? Because they help us understand who we are as a church and what we're trying to do. Let me give you the questions real quick. They're in your handout. But question number one, am I in a living relationship with God? The biggest, baddest, meanest, best question you will ever answer in your life. Are you in a living relationship with God? And by the way, notice that I did not ask this. Do you go to church? That wasn't the question. Because sometimes people confuse the idea of going to church and a living relationship. Those two things are remotely different many times. Because there's a lot of people that can go to a building or to a place that have no relationship at all. You know, the old thing I've always heard people say, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but no pun intended. You know, if I go to McDonald's, do do I become a cheeseburger? You know, I mean, anyway. Man, you guys are hard. And so, so we've got to answer that first question. If we don't answer it with this living relationship with Jesus, we can't get to the second question. Here's the second question. Am I developing into the person I was created to be? Am I developing or am I growing? Am I winning the battle within? Is, is, is it happening in my life? And, and just because maybe you were able to answer question one affirmatively, yes, it's true of me, does not automatically mean that you can answer number two with an affirmative. It doesn't mean just because I've been made new and I've been made free or set free from the the guilt and the shame of my sin and Christ has made me alive in him does not automatically mean that I'm made whole. Matter of fact, usually it means that I'm just now starting the journey. And here's why. Because we have stuff and we have issues and we need to learn how to live free and alive. We talked a little bit about that last week, this idea of living free. Because discovering freedom in Christ is the greatest step, but learning to live as a free person is the huge critical process that each and every one of us need to learn how to do. So that's what we're talking about, this idea of growing up past question one into question two. Because a lot of people today that are followers of Christ are maybe set free from the old sinful slavery, but yet still have evidence evidence of sinful behaviors or attitudes or actions, maybe habits, whatever they might be, that are still in there, that are still part of me. Here's the third question. Is am I making a difference in the lives of others for eternity? What we just did a few minutes ago with the offering for Convoy of Hope One Day to Feed the World is one of those moments where we get to make a difference in the lives of people for eternity there's there's an opportunity there in our giving that's one way going is another way serving is another way am i making a difference and we're going to talk about that over the next couple weeks but i want to talk about question number two again this week because i think it's that big of a deal am i developing into the person i was created to be is it happening is it happening I mean, and and maybe wherever you're at in life, maybe you're in your 20s, maybe you're a teenager here today. Am I becoming what God created me? Maybe you're in your 40s, maybe you're in 60s, 70s. No matter where you're at, are you becoming what God created you to be? You know, I was thinking about it for my own life. You know, it's I, I would say if you would walk with me in my life, up until I was 20, I definitely wasn't growing into what I was created was not happening. Why? Because I had not answered question no, one with a big yes. I have a living room. I didn't. I was, I was out there. I mean, I was 
the drug dealer. I was the partier. I was, that's where I was. That was my life. But once I gave my life to Christ, the whole thing opened up. Things began to change, and the world began to change, and I began to just give myself to, to whatever God was doing as far as I understood. And I realized years into the journey, like nine years into the journey, like when I was in my late 20s, I had moments where I realized, man, this, I'm, I, there's something not right. There's something not right. And, and it took some hard hits for me to realize that what was going on is that I hadn't been growing on the inside in certain areas of my spiritual journey, and it was affecting every other area of my spiritual journey. And what was going on in my life at that point is I had given myself to trying to prove myself or accomplish something, but I had not understand that the drivenness wasn't necessarily the right motive. My motive needed to be more focused on Christ and less focused on what I was accomplishing. And so I had this huge growth moment in my life. I had this huge growth moment, and it was probably in my late 20s. And then a little bit later on, I mean, you know, few years down the road, I'd say another nine years, because it seems like nine years, every nine years, that our, our daughter passed away. And by the way, this some of you thank you for your prayers and support this. This week she would have been 30. It's kind of hard to believe that happened. And uh, some people ask, well, what did you, you learn from that? What, here's what I learned. I learned a lot of things in life don't matter as much as I think they do. And I learned that in that moment, and I grew, I mean, I grew, man, I, I grew through a painful experience, this huge jump, this huge leap of personal reflection and growing in this time where I realized, man, a lot of things that I think are really important really aren't that important at all. I mean, my relationship with my wife, that's important. My relationship with my kids, that's important. The way I surrender and give myself to the king, that's important. And all of a sudden, I grew. And then just recently, it seems like another nine years, you're like, how old am I? I'm 67. <laughs> no, I'm not. And so, uh, like, several years later, and this is just in the re- last few years, last few years, and here's what I think happens is sometimes we don't think about our growth as a person, and we just go with the flow. And I think sometimes God graciously steps in, and he allows circumstances and situations to grab our attention. And then at other times, he's just waiting for us to just say, hey, I want to grow, and you pursue that. And that's hopefully the best choice. But I realized just recently, probably the last, mm, I'd say the last four or five years now, that I was missing some things in the, in the emotional development of who I was as a person. I'm going to be really vulnerable here. I, I, that I had a... I had not grown up in that area of my life. That my responses were still very immature. And that when certain things would happen, I would react certain ways. And I was like, man, why do I do that? And what I realized is I had not grown into the person God created me to be in certain areas of my life. And so I began to aggressively go after that. And, you know, and here's what it was doing. Is it, was, it was affecting this relationship right here with my wife. It was affecting the relationship that I had and do have with my kids. In other words, it wasn't just some way out there spiritual kind of thing. It was this very real thing that was affecting the very nature of who I was as a person in the relationships that I had. And I said, Lord, I need to somehow begin to grow and find healing in my spirit because of these things. I'd like to stand up here today and say, I got this thing. I figured it out. No, I don't. But I can stand up here before you today and say, I am growing and I'm moving forward in it. And so today I want to challenge you, don't stop 
growing. Don't stop growing in your spiritual journey with God. Are you growing up? Are you developing into what God created you to be? So I want to real quickly review last week, just briefly. 2 Peter chapter 2, there's a verse that we used last week. It says, like newborn babies, talking about those that have been made alive and been freed in Christ, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. In other words, there's this craving to grow up. There's this craving, this longing that says, I can't stay where I'm at. I can't stay in my life as a baby all of my life. I need to grow up. He says, crave spiritual milk so that you will, say it with me, grow. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. That's God's dream for you. It's God's dream for you. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have taste, had, had a taste of the Lord's kindness. In other words, because you've begun this journey, because you've stepped across the line of the first decision, the first question, and said yes, and he made you alive, and he's freed you from this. Now because of that, grow up. Move forward in it. Go for it. And then we talked about how there are some practical reasons why growing up is so important, but there was one big one. It was the last one we talked about last week, and it's this, is that we have all gathered a lifetime of bad patterns, and we need to be able to move forward, grow up so we can. And what it basically looks like is this, is that you and I, because of our sinful nature, you and I, because of the sinful bent that is already in us from birth, you didn't have to be doing some evil, wicked thing to have happen. It just happens. It's part of who we are. You begin to carry luggage with you. And the luggage then defines who you are. And God's coming along and going, wait a minute, we need to move past that into something else because that's holding you back from what you were created to be. And so the patterns and the behaviors and expressions of who you've been for years and years and years needs to be a touched, healed, worked through, whatever you want to say about it, in relationship to him so you can move forward. And so that's what we're talking about here today. Here's our text. Last week we did Hebrews chapter 5, the last three verses. Today we're going to do Hebrews chapter 6, the first three verses. This is what it says. So let us, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. How many of you ever feel like life is like a, a track and you just keep going in circles? <laughs> you know? You just do lap after lap after lap after lap after lap. And you're like, how do I get off of this thing? I can't seem to go anywhere. I'd like to go somewhere in this. And that's what he's talking about. He said, get off the the, the lap thing. Get out of this basic teaching idea and, and start going somewhere. Quit repeating and start going somewhere. So what are the basic teachings real quickly about Christ? The first thought is that I'm desperately broken. Every one of us in this room, we're desperately broken. Because we're desperately broken, we are spiritually dead. But in spite of that deadness and that brokenness, Christ, in his love and his grace and his mercy, decided to, in heaven, step into humanity and take my place and pay my price and give his life. That's the basics. I'm desperately broken. He paid my price. And he says, don't keep, we don't need to keep laying again that, that, that thought, that basic idea of Christ. We need to move on. And so then it goes on in verse second part of that verse. It says, let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. And by the way, when you see the word understanding, it does not always mean IQ. 
What it means is application. He says, let us go on and mature in our spiritual application. In other words, help us to figure out what it means to step forward, to get going, to move forward in the application of the spiritual relationship that I have with God. Help me to figure out what that looks like. Not, I know all the answers and I could pass a a Bible trivia course, you know, and I would win on Jeopardy if they had it under that column. No, not that fast. And so, so this idea of, of moving forward, he says, Surely we do not need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. In other words, he said, hey, here's the deal. Question number one, do you have a living relationship with God? Involves repentance or a turning towards God and faith or trust in God. You do not have to do that again and again and again. Do it and move on. Let's go. Let's grow up. Now that you have life, let's go for it. He goes on, he says, you, do not, you don't need further instruction about baptisms. You're like, what does that mean? Because they were, they were constantly lost in this idea of identity. Baptism in, in their world was this religious experience that they just kept doing again and again and again. But what he's telling them in the text, he says, you already have an identity in Christ. Let's move on. You already have an identity. If you are made alive in Christ, you have an identity. And it says, and then it talks about the laying on of hands. You already have an assignment. In other words, you don't have to wonder about why you're here or what you're supposed to be doing. You have an assignment. You've been bought at a price and now serve and glorify the king that bought you. You have an assignment. Laying on of hands. Then it says, then it also says the resurrection of dead. What he's saying is you already know that this is a temporary deal. You already know because of Christ's resurrection, because of what Jesus is doing, that this deal right now, this temporary thing, is just that. It's temporary. You already know that. So in light of that, begin to grow up. And he says the last one, an internal judgment. You already know we will all be judged for this life and rewarded accordingly. He said, you already know that. It's almost like he's saying, hey, guys, come on. Let's quit talking about this. Let's quit having the same conversation about this. Let's quit rehashing this. Let's keep quit going around and around and around and having the same thing. Let's grow up and move forward. And so he's challenging them to go for it. And verse 3 then says this. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. We will move forward to greater application. We will move forward to bigger and better things than just going to church. We're going to move forward to things that are deeper and bigger and better than just having biblical ideas about certain things. It's going to be who we are. It's going to affect our very lives. So let's move forward. So what's the Holy Spirit saying through the writer? He's saying this, and I think this is a fill-in-the-blank in your handout. He's saying, begin to engage the process of moving forward. Begin to engage the process. In other words, go beyond your freedom in Christ to understanding or applying the power of Christ to transform you. Let let that sink in for a second. Go beyond your freedom in Christ that he set you free. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer dead in sin. He said, go beyond your freedom in Christ to understand the power of Christ to get inside and start healing that junk that keeps holding you back from being what you were developed and created to be. And so move past the basics. 
But how do we move forward to further understanding? We need to be transformed within. We need to grow up. We need to find healing for those things inside. The Old Testament term is one that kind of is spooky. It's deliverance. And immediately if your mind went to exorcist, that's not what I'm talking about. It's not that. It's the moving from one place to another place in relationship. I'm going to deliver you out of this place of relationship into this place of relationship. I'm going to deliver you out of this unhealthy situation into this healthy situation. And so it's this delivering or taking out of and placing you in a new one. And so God's wanting to do that, that work in each one of us, this deliverance thing, the process of healing. Check out Exodus chapter 6. And this is like a short version of what I've been just talking about, the process. And it's in the context, check this out. This is in the context of God coming to a group of people who have been slaves, actual slaves, for 400 years. And he comes to them and he says, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to do something in you that's going to blow your mind. You're going to have a relationship. You're going to develop what you were created to be. You're going to have influence. You're going to do all this. And listen to how God says that in this text. Exodus chapter 6. He says, I am the Lord, which is interesting because that means he's over it all. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you out. It's interesting that he says it that way because a lot of times we think we have to bring ourselves out. We think we've got to make it happen. We gotta, we're going to click our heels. We're going to snap our fingers. We're going to pull up our pants and our boots. And we're going to, man, we're going to make this happen. But it says right off the bat, I will make this happen. I will bring you out. I will free you from the slavery of your sin, which means forgiveness and made alive. So then the second part, it says, I will rescue you from their bondage, which is interesting. Why would he say I will bring you out. I will rescue you because he's talking about the slavery that was in them. The slavery mentality that was part of who they were. And then he goes on. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. I will give you a sense of purpose because I purchased you. And he goes on, verse 7, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And simply, this is what happened. They had been free from the slavery of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them, and they need healing. They needed healing, just like we do. We need healing, healing to be rescued. From what? Two things, real quickly. First one is this. We need to be healed from our past wounds. From our past wounds. They had 400 years of past wounds. Some of you might not have that many years behind you. Maybe you do, and you've got all these wounds. And, and some of us, I think for many of us, the past is something we wish we could forget. Something we wish we could just ignore, but we can't because the reality is we are in many ways the product of our past. In other words, it's affected us. It's, it's impacted us. It's, it's, it's in, intertwined itself with us. We can't seem to find ourselves being free from it, but it's the past that is full of wounds, and it's affecting my ability to be what God created me to be. And so something's got to happen. And we need God to heal the wounds that still painfully linger in our souls. We need God to heal the, the things that are in our souls that make us want to chase after accomplishment. And, and maybe not realizing what's important and all the things that I talked about in my own life. Or, or here's some here. Or maybe it's the wound of abandonment, which was really one of the big ones in my own life. 
and it causes me to not trust. Or maybe it's the wound of abuse which causes maybe you to be bitter. That you're still re- resenting that that happened. That this wound that took place years ago or, or last year or 25 or whenever it took place, that you're holding on to that. It's become this critical, bitter spirit within you. God is saying, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to set for you free from. I want you to grow up. And we got to deal with that. Or maybe it's the wound of poverty. Which is interesting in America America, that this would be such a big deal. As rich as we are, that we would have a spirit of poverty. And you know why we would have a spirit of poverty or or an attitude of poverty about us? And it's a wound in us because we are constantly told to look to everybody else to determine who's actually got it going on and who doesn't. And because of the, the wound of poverty, it causes me to want more and more and more than I have. And it keeps me from ever being content, so I'm always chasing the wound of the past. I see some of us need to be healed of that. And then here's the other category, healing from our present conditions. And there's three of them. It's our sinful condition that needs to be healed. The first one is our attitudes. Lord, heal the way I think. My negativity, my creative, my critical spirit, What you know, that idea. Heal the attitudes that are built on lies. Heal the attitudes that are built on false beliefs that I've been living by and living for. I mean, that's that's the present condition. Here's another category. It's habits. Heal the way I repeatedly behave that consistently puts me at odds with you. See, many of us are in need of healing for what is likely to repeat itself in my life because we have tendencies that we have built as patterns in us that God's saying, that's what I want to set free. I want you to finally grow up, but this has to be dealt with. Somehow we've got to deal with the habits. Somehow we have to deal with the behaviors that constantly combat and fight against the very will of God for your life. Somehow. Here's the third one. The present condition, condition is addictions. How many of you know somebody or have been a somebody that was connected to an addiction? <laughs> Almost all of us. It's part of our culture. Addictive behavior. That, that we've got this disorder about us, that, that we're addicted, that, and it's, it's driving force in who we are. And see, most of us think of addictions like drug or alcohol or gambling, but an addiction is really just something that's ingrained in us that controls us negatively or causes us or wants to cause us to think that we can escape our pain. So if you define it that way, then all of a sudden an addiction isn't just drugs, alcohol, or gambling. It could be a lot of other things. There could be a lot of things that are happening right now in this room that, that fall into that part of the description of, of addiction. It's ingrained and it controls me negatively and it's used to escape pain. Let me give you some examples. Maybe you don't do crack cocaine. Good for you. Let that sink in for a little bit. Maybe you don't do crack cocaine, but you do five hours of Facebook a day. Different kind of crack. Come on. <laughs> right? Or, or maybe, maybe you don't gamble, but you escape into hours of mindless shopping for shoes that you really don't need. Don't look around. Just look straight ahead now because I'm, 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 I'm playing with stuff here. Maybe you don't drink to numb the pain, 
but you eat a box of Twinkies or a double cheese or three. Maybe that's the addiction. You see where I'm going here? See, so many times we think it's all these other things, but what's ingrained in me that's affecting me negatively? What's, what am I using to try to escape the pain in my life? What is that? Or, or, you know, sometimes it's easier this way. Maybe you look at the addiction that's in your life, and you're like, well, I don't know if I have addictions. Here, here's just a little test. Ask yourself, what are you constantly protecting your life, protecting in your life that isn't necessarily a healthy thing? What am I protecting in my life that's not necessarily healthy? Let me throw out maybe my free time. Don't be messing with my free time. You might be addicted to your free time. My game time. Don't be messing with the Huskers, even though they're the worst team in the whole Big Ten conference. Don't be messing with them. (laughs) I'm just speaking it like it is. I mean, come on. No. (laughs) No, it's just a game. It's just a game. It's just a game. Man, got the crowd in a roar here. <laughs> Don't be messing with my money. I'm addicted to my money. Don't be messing with my career. I'm addicted to my job. Don't be messing with my fun. I'm addicted to my fun. Don't be messing with my relationships. I'm addicted to my relationships. You know, and so all these different ones, easily you find out what they are. So we need healing from our past wounds and our present condition. And I think here's the, here's the reality. If you want to or not, Admit it. We all have it. We all have it. We all have it. And it's keeping us from growing up. We all have past wounds. Maybe we didn't handle them right. Maybe we tried to bury them, and every once in a while it's like a root that just won't go away. It just crops up again, crops up again, again and again and again. It's that whole again and again and again thing. Maybe as some of us, this present condition, it just repeats itself again and again and again. My attitude's getting away. My habit's getting away. My addiction's getting away. And it's a habit. It's just a repeating cycle. I can't seem to get out of it. So how do I deal with that? Let me give you real quickly what I think is the answer. That growing up is responding to the call of God. It's responding to the call of God. God in this moment right now is calling every person in this room. You know what he's calling you to? To grow up. He's calling you to life. He's calling you to a relationship, a living relationship. But he's calling you further than that. Not just there and stop. He's calling you to grow up. Whether you're 20 or you're 70, to grow up. To find out what that means. Here's a scripture verse. I love this verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. It says, by his divine power, you should be really glad that it's not based on your power or my power to make this happen. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Here's the deal. Everything you need to find the healing that we're talking about is in God. He's got it. All the answers, all the solutions, all the power, all the things that need to be happening to make this happen are in the person and the relationship that I have with God. It's there. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Question one, I have a living relationship. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. In other words, 
He didn't have to, but because he loves you, because he has a mind for you, because he has a passion for you, he chased you, and he's chasing you right now. You're here today, and he's beckoning you. Would you please respond? Would you please? So he's asking because of his excellence, his glory. And because of his glory and his excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And check out this next part. These are the promises that enable you, that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The very thing that we just described, the wounds that keep holding me back, the the attitudes and the conditions, all the stuff, the junk, the issues that are part of it, he said right there, this is what will enable you to move forward and grow up. It's right there. So verse 5, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. How do we respond? Real quickly. Number one, it requires a Christ-centered community. A Christ-centered community. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. I need you. Every person in this room, we need each other. Notice what it says in the scripture, Ephesians 4. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. God does that. Nobody in this room is a mistake. Nobody in this room is an accident. Every person in this room is here because they're divinely appointed to be a part of this because there's a reason behind it all. As each part does his own special work, it helps the other parts, say it with me, grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's why church and small groups or life groups are so important, that we would be in a place that we can confront the issue safely. Here's the next one. It is recognizing our need for accountability. Accountability accountability. James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What a concept. What a concept that God would say, respond to me because I placed the body there to be your community. I placed one another there to be your board that you can throw that out there. We can confess to God and he forgives our sin, but I can confess to one another and there is healing there. There is healing there. And so many times we miss that because secrets never bring healing. Secrets only create snares. Secrets only create walls. But healing comes from accountability. It's you finding that person and say, hey, man, can we talk? I'm dealing with something. I'm wrestling with something. I've been trying to hide it. It isn't going so well. I've been trying to keep it a secret. It's not going so well. There's things that I'm dealing with and I'm wrestling with that are killing me. I can't grow up and develop into the person that God created me to be. Can you and I talk? Because there's the answer. God put that person there. Here's the next one. It's embracing a heavy dose of love. A heavy dose of love. Heavy dose of love. Responding to God's calls, allowing His love to have its way in my life. See, we all have a need for love. Everybody in this room is desperately in need for love. We all are. Whether you want to admit it or not, we all are. We want to belong in love. We want to give love. We want to receive it. We want to embrace. We want to be. Many times we we mess it up. We get in all kinds of other things. But it's all because of love. 
And there's a reason why love is so important. It says in the text in 1 Peter, it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. There's healing there. See, God's love has a way of erasing the pain of our wounds. It's healing in the depths of who we are, our condition. Even though it's hard, we need to let God love us. Even though it's hard, we need to let God love us. Even though you don't deserve it, you need to let God love you. There's healing there. Last one. Growing up is a daily decision for lordship. For lordship. Lordship. Colossians 2, verse 6 says, Since you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, since you've stepped into this first question and now stepped into the next part of this, which is critical, lordship, live in union with him. Because lordship means Jesus is the boss, he's the ruler, he's the one in charge, and the one who is truly changed in heart understands that I need a new owner because this owner isn't that great. Right? This owner isn't so great. So what's the practical application? Is that we need to every day make a conscious decision to make Jesus Lord of our life. Every day. If something steps up, raises up, questions, gets in the way of anything that even remotely looks like something other than the Lordship of Christ, I'm going to deal with that aggressively. Because my healing is on the line. My healing is on the line. So when we, receive, when we receive the offer from God, the call from God to be made free, to be made new, and have access, all the access that we need to grow up and mature as followers of Christ, this is what we need to do. Respond with a yes to his call. Let's pray. Lord, today, as a church, as individuals in this room, we want to make a fresh decision for you. Lord, there's a lot of us in this room that have been hurt and wounded by past wounds that, God, we're still holding on to. And you're asking us, Lord, to allow you access in community and accountability and love and lordship, Lord, to allow you access to those things. Lord, in our present condition, Lord, to allow you access. So, Lord, have your way. Have your way, God. May we as a church grow up and develop into what you created us to be. Lord, let it be so, God. We're asking for it. We're saying yes to the call. In Jesus' name.